0: Hello. Welcome to This Week's Economy with Dr. Vance Gann. I'm Dr. Vance Gann, your host, and thank you for joining me here today for this new series where we're going through each week kind of the highlights of what's happening in the economy, things that I'm working on, and some other issues. So without further ado, let's jump right into it. Today, I've got three big things that I want to talk about. One of those is what's going on in the U.S. economy, kind of the Louisiana economy, and Texas economy. Those are three things that I work on a lot, so I wanted to go over some of those um, that have on my blog, advancedgen.com, which I'll put links to advancedgen.substack.com. So either one of those places, you can find all this information and my other Let People Prosper show podcasts and other things. But I also want to jump into a little bit about the Texas budget, which next week is the the budget week here in Texas. So I want to talk a little bit about that. And then I want to end up here with a recent piece that I had at Real Clear Energy called The Green Energy Agenda Increases Poverty, and it must stop. Um, If you haven't seen it yet, please. Please go back and watch the Let People Prosper show from this week with Dr. Tyler Goodspeed. He was the chair of the Council of Economic Advisors for a while in the Trump administration. We have a great discussion about what happened in the White House, how the Trump White House compared with the Biden White House. And as you know, I was in the Trump White House for a little while as chief economist for the Office of Management and Budget. And so there was a really good discussion. And he also talks about the high likelihood of a recession or a deepening recession, if you will, that's going on. So let's get right into it, though. The first thing I would say about the U.S economy right is that i think it's really weak i think there's a lot of things that maybe look good on the surface um, but underneath the surface there are there's a lot to want out of what's going on in the economy one of the key points that i've made is that average uh, hourly and weekly but weekly earnings are down for 23 straight months when you adjust them for inflation Right, And so this is something that you really need to look at as inflation continues to roar. In other words, inflation is running hotter. It's, it, it's running at about 6% right now for CPI inflation. So it's running faster than average hourly earnings, which are running around 4%. So that two percentage point gap means that you're not able to buy as much as you were just a year ago. And that's been happening now for nearly two years, 23 months, essentially since Biden got into office and then they passed the American Rescue Plan act. When you put that much money to the economy from excessive government spending money printing by the fed, what do you expect? Inflation. Right, and that's exactly what we've um, seen—just a massive amount. And I talk a lot about in this blog about how the deficit has increased since January 2020 by 7.6 trillion dollars, meaning that the national debt has increased by 7.6 trillion dollars to where we're at—you know, 31, a little over 31 trillion dollars now. Just a massive increase, which pushes up interest rates, lead to leads to the inflationary pressures that we have out there. So it's a lot of, of of problems that really need to get corrected in a quick manner before things get even. Worse, You know, I also talked about the recent jobs report for the United States economy. There are 311,000 jobs that were added in the month of February. Um, the household survey showed 100, 177,000 jobs were added. U3 unemployment rate rose to 3.6%. So it's still pretty low, historically speaking. The broader U6 underutilization rate is at 6.8%. It also increased. Those are the ones that are under um, underemployed, where they're having a, a part time job and they really like a full time job. And also the Discourage workers; those who are marginally attached to the workforce. When you look at the labor force, you know participation rates and, and, and things of that nature. You know you can start to see where where there's there's a lot to be wanting out of this situation. Um, even when you look at the the prime age group, the 25 to 54 year olds, they're about back to where they were before the pandemic of February of 2020, but not but but they haven't really increased much more than that. So that's kind of a good sign that we see there. But the overall labor force participation rate is still down. Some. As people have dropped out. So um, that's contributing to a lower unemployment rate than otherwise. And, you know, uh, there's been reports that show about 3 million more people would be in the labor force had it just been back to where it was before in February of 2020. So there's a lot to want there. Um, There's a new GDP number for um, the fourth quarter of 2022. It also showed right around a little bit less than 3%. Um, and if you looked at the, four, at the Q4 over Q4, like I said last, last time, 21 to 22, you're still seeing about 1% growth. So very weak economic growth over the last year. And that doesn't seem to be abating anytime soon. Um, you know, a lot of this is from excessive government spending and, and too much government intervention in the economy. And so what I've been recommending is that we have a pro-growth path right? Cutting spending, um, cutting regulations, cutting taxes. That's really what we need to do to reduce government at every level, not only the federal level, but the state and local levels as well. Uh, reject new spending packages. I think we need a responsible American budget, one that really um, uh, reigns in government spending to no more than population growth plus inflation. should be even less than that, really. But we need a spending limit, a fiscal rule, to really rein in government spending over time. And we also need a monetary rule. We need something like the Taylor Rule that keeps interest rates, you know, the target interest rates from growing too rapidly um, or, or more aligned with what the economy suspects with inflationary pressures compared to looking at the unemployment rate and, or, you know, the money growth rate rule would also be good. Something along those lines that really reins in government spending overall. Um, and we need return to work policies. We need to get rid of a lot of this um, welfare without work. We need back to work fair that happened during the Clinton administration, where a lot of people started getting back to work. Um, And Because, look, we want a a social safety net system that supports people while they're working, if necessary, but we don't want a situation where people are dependent and reliant on these programs without getting to work and building a career and finding a pathway to long-term self-sufficiency, which a lot of my work is done on the Let People Prosper sort of issues that I work on each and every day. So the U.S. economy still has some work to do. I also did a post here on the Louisiana economic situation. Look, I mean, the Louisiana's economy, Again, looks good on the surface, but when you start peeling back the layers, there's still a lot that's needed and, and desired within the within their economy. Um, the unemployment rate's at 3.6%, so that matches the national, the U.S. unemployment rate in February of 2023. Um, their, but their employment to population ratio, it's a little bit above where it was in February of 2020, along with their labor force participation rate, but it's still well below where it was in June 2009 at the end of the Great Recession. And 61.2% back then is the labor force participation rate, and only 59% now. So there's a lot of people that have left the labor force. There's a declining population on net in Louisiana as people are leaving. Um, and I talk about how some of that has to do with their high taxes. They have the 15th highest corporate tax rate the nation at 15, 7.5%. Uh, they also have a relatively high income tax rate of 4.25%. But the problem with both of those tax structures is that they're progressive income taxes, meaning they go up as your incomes go up. And that leads to less productivity and growth and incentive to stay. So people leave and they flee. Um, And so the work they've been doing at the Pelican Institute in Louisiana is called the comeback agenda, where we need to modernize the tax policy and budget responsibility in Louisiana, where they have a flat tax that's on a path to zero, meaning eliminating income Tax eliminating the corporate income tax and really put in a better in place a better spending limit based on population growth plus inflation of a responsible Louisiana budget. That way they can spend within the confines of the average taxpayer's ability to pay for government spending, and then that will lead to lower tax burdens, uh, lower regulatory burdens, and other things, um, and and allow them to improve over time. Another big part of this is to make sure that we give every kid a school that fits, whether in Louisiana or other states. They should be passing school choice. I think that's a huge part. Of getting people out of poverty. Uh, several states, I think it's six states now, have already passed universal school of choice, with the latest one being in Florida. Other states like Texas, like Louisiana, have got to do the same thing. None of these carve-outs and everything else that some want to put in there and for rural districts and everything else. No, everyone should have the same opportunity right now to make sure that they can best meet the needs of their kids. That's what parents should be empowered to do. And by the way, teachers would be empowered at the same time. So Louisiana, again, looks good on the surface, but there's room for improvement. Um, But Texas has really been leading the way. I mean, it's been the number one job creator over the last year um, in a percentage terms. I think Nevada is the fastest, but Texas is right there at number two. Um, Florida is also up there as well. I got a nice post here um, by Soquel Creek, who he showed that if you include Florida and Texas, those job growth since February of 2020, it's 50% of the nearly 3 million jobs that have been created since February of 2020. So there was a huge drop, 22 million jobs um, during the shutdown recession. And then it's come up. It got back to about zero in the middle of 2020 last year of 2022, but driving the way were Florida and Texas, again, 50% of the jobs, one out of every two jobs have been added in these two states that have three out of 10 of the population of the United States. Just quite remarkable what's been going on. Um, And so I think there's a lot still that needs to be done, even in Texas, where the labor force participation rate is a little bit below where it was in February of 2020 uh, of 63.7%. to population ratio is 61.2% compared to 61.6%. Unemployment rate of 3.9%. But you know, there continue to be record number of jobs being created where there have been 33 of the last 34 months have been positive job creation in Texas. And so, look, Texas is leading the way, but they still need to be spending less, and which I'm going to talk about in just a minute, they need to be doing less in taxes, especially property tax reform, and regulating less, really getting government out of the way in every way possible. Um, and let me just say that, and the second point here is on, I just released a paper with the Texas Fiscal, Texans for Fiscal Responsibility, which I'll put in the show notes page. Texas house budget exceeds the frozen Texas budget. There is a massive increase in the Texas budget. When you look at general revenue, when you look at state funds, when you look at all funds, whether you're, whether you're adjusting this for population growth plus inflation or saying no growth at all in the budget, this is a massive increase in the budget. The general revenue funds is up from appropriations of 2021 to appropriations of what they're proposing in this 2022, 20, 2024, 20, uh, 25 budget, because we have a biennial budget here in, in Texas. Um, the growth rate of just general revenue is up 14.9%. All state funds, which is general revenue dedicated funds, general revenue funds and other funds up. Uh, Is up 21.5 percent, and then all funds, when you include federal funds as well, is up 14.3 percent to 300 and. $302.6 billion with a B. That's over a biennium. So two-year period. So this isn't a 1.8% growth rate like some in government will want us to hear because that's measuring spending to appropriations. That's like measuring apples and oranges. You need an oranges to oranges, consistent representation of what that increase is. And it's a 14.3% increase. And so that means less money for tax relief. You know, the Senate and House have about $17 billion in in property tax relief, where they want to reduce the school district's maintenance and operation property taxes, which needs to eventually go to zero. Um, But $5.3 billion of both of their uh, proposals go to old relief, meaning maintaining property tax relief. There's only about $12 billion in the House, $11.3 billion in the Senate for new relief. So this is nowhere near the record amount that if you include our inflation-adjusted dollars, it would need to be about $20 billion. So there needs to be a lot more added to that. And so the House is going to be meeting next week. They're going to have the budget on the floor on next Thursday, April 6th talking about the budget. And what I'm hopeful they'll do is take a lot of the money that's being appropriated and put it into property tax relief fund so we can get more relief going to Texans all across the state. So no matter if you're a renter, or a homesteader, or a business, you would all see more relief. Not any of this appraisal caps or homestead exemption increases, which shifts the burden around. We really need to get away a path to elimination so, so Texans have an opportunity to really own their property instead of just renting from the government forever. And the only way to do that is from compression of reducing the school and property taxes. And by the way, they should also be putting in local spending limits so local governments can reduce their property taxes as well. It's all about spending, right? Yeah, I always talk about this. We don't have a revenue problem, but a spending problem, even in Texas. And so Texas really had to look at this uh, and make sure that they show the way for the rest of the country. They've done a pretty good job over the last decade of spending within population growth plus inflation. But now is the next step of trying to, you know, restrain spending even more so more money can stay in Texans' pocket. And the last thing I'll mention is this piece in Real Clear Energy, The Green Energy Agenda Increases Poverty. It Must Stop, published on March 27, 2023 with my good friend Jason Isaac, the tex Pulit Policy Foundation. But it talks about that we need to stop all this virtue signaling, the propping up wind and solar, which, um, you know, by the way, if, if it's, the wind's not blowing, there's not any wind energy, by, right? And if the sun isn't shining, there's not any solar energy. So these are inconsistent, volatile, um, highly costly forms of energy. And we should be focused on thermal energy energy. energy and oil and gas, like fossil fuels, that really are the lifeblood of our economy. And if we don't do that, then we're leading to more poverty. And we've seen this in places like Germany, which are now having to to use wood to heat their stoves, to heat their houses. This is just ridiculous. And we cannot have that in the United States. Or in Texas, we saw what happened with the um, some of the blackouts that happened in Texas back in 2021 of the Great Freeze, um, and that was really driven by these renewable sources of energy, these unreliable sources of energy like wind and solar, because they went offline. And that kicked off some of the natural gas plants as well, which kind of made this domino effect of outages across the state. We can't be California and Texas. Come on. This is ridiculous. But we also don't need to be propping up natural gas plants either, which has been talked about in the Texas Senate. We need a market, a free market economy that works. Socialism doesn't work. Industrial policy doesn't work. Free market capitalism works. That's the best way to prosperity. So thank you for joining me again here today on this week's economy. Wait, I'll be here again next week. Until then, let people prosper.